Greenlight Pod, episode 30. We've got a great guest uh, lined up for you today and Jeff Schwartz, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, host of the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. We're going to talk about uh, especially O-Lyman in the Combine this weekend, some O-Lyman in free agency, along with some Oregon talk, uh, Herbert talk, and then uh, me and Maker are going to talk about a bunch of random shit. I mean, a ton, including uh, some fan submissions for the last place dude in our bracket coming up. Uh, punishments. What could be on the docket for the dude who comes in last place? Stay tuned. Welcome to Greenlight Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long. This is episode 30. That is my esteemed co-host, Making Gunner. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm a little, uh, got the giggles. Yeah? A little punch drunk, if you will. What happened? Well, I reckon I just uh, got in your presence, <laughs> and uh, we're having a, a gay old time here. <laughs> On the Green Life Pod. Yep, we're having a good time. What do you got going on in your life? Sure, uh, a lot of a lot of the day job. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with. Uh, Remind the people what your day job is. I sell real estate. Sling uh, it. Mostly residential, some commercial. As many of you have already figured out, you can find me on the internet for your uh, real estate needs. I'm getting some emails. Is doing this pod is this like a long play free advertising thing? No. I've learned that clients do listen and yeah. watch, which yeah, scares yeah. me. The problem is if uh, pers- prospective clients yeah. um, don't like this, I'm never going to know. They're not going to tell me, hey, we were going to work with you, but we didn't because... Right. They're not... <laughs> I would appreciate... If I were you, I'd appreciate hearing that, but that's never happening. Right. If that were to happen, I'd probably say to you, Chris, maybe it's time... Cut the cord. part ways... But you know it's probably already happened at least once. Don't say that. Why would you say that? I don't know. It's just speculative. You made it sound like it's a distinct possibility. I don't know. The, the folks who have mentioned it seem to like it. So and that's what's good. the, you know, what's, what's your percentage on a deal? Come again? Like, like on a real estate deal. What's the average per, for people who don't understand how this thing goes? How does it go when you're brokering a residential deal? Right. I'd rather not discuss that. <laughs> I know your financials have been public for the majority of yeah, your yeah, uh, yeah. career. I'm just trying to wrap my head around how much money you could lose. Oh, yeah. If we said something that didn't jive with the buyer. Hundreds of millions of dollars, potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Damn. Well, this is episode 30. Thanks for, uh, thanks Our- for co-hosting this thing. You're welcome. In the face of tremendous financial risk. Yeah, I, I really am happy to be here. Thank you. For yeah, yeah, you're welcoming welcome. Me. And I, the, I remember when you turned 30 years old. Yeah. Primarily because I still have a cup that commemorates it. That birthday party. Yeah. It was a nice birthday party. My lovely wife, Meg, put together a real good, good time. Ah, Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely wife, right? Yeah, she's lovely. Yeah, she's great. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying my lovely girlfriend, Kate. Um, was was probably at that party. Yeah, too. Been boyfriend and girlfriend a long time. 
Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yep, we really like each other. Mm. Don't need the government to get involved or right. anything like that. Right. Okay. We just like you were telling your story about my birthday party. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, there's a cup. That's the end of the story. It's got a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur yep. eating another dinosaur. Yeah. And says, happy 30th birthday, Chris. Listen, and I didn't have any kids then. Uh, love dinosaurs. Have two kids now. Both my kids love dinosaurs. So cool. That worked out. I use that frequently as my water cup when I go to bed. Do you have a water cup when you go to bed? You don't want to drink too much water before you go to bed because then you might have to get up and pee. And there's nothing worse than that. You're going to think I'm loony, Chris. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten up in the middle of the night to go bathroom. And I am V-hydrated throughout the day. Seriously. Stop it. Seriously. Seriously. You've never woke up to go take a piss. I mean, that seems ridiculous. Yeah. But I can't. Recall a time. Do you have a bladder like a 30-gallon No, I don't think that's it. North because face duffel bag? I do, I do go yeah. throughout the day, yeah, but yeah, yeah. my body just knows, hey, we can't interrupt this rim <laughs> situation. It's unbelievable. Yeah. In and, that, I don't believe it. Oh, and I wake up regularly yeah, yeah. one minute before my alarm goes off. Can now you, that, is that, that, now is that, that happens a lot yeah, to me. Okay. That happens to me a lot as yeah. well. Um, man, that's interesting. You can do a whole pod on you not waking up to take a piss ever. Yeah, and now um, I'm probably going to get up tonight. Yeah, that's probably how this thing's going to work. Number 30, that's how many episodes we've done here. It's a lot. Um, and as you yeah. know, we... 900 re- pieces of content from you yeah 30 pods 30 pods exactly um but we we routinely mention our favorite corresponding jersey number athlete uh in fact we do it every time and uh number 30 i'll let you start it off i know you got somebody good because the jump from 28 and 29 to 30 is uh exponential as far as how many options we have i noticed it was hard to decide Oh, really? Yeah. I was surprised that there weren't better candidates yeah. for number 30. Name a few. Okay. These are, and how do you know mine's going to be good? Have you I don't been know. told? You usually have a good one. Okay. Makes me a bit nervous. Here are some people I'm not picking. Steph Curry. Okay. Would have been a fine selection. Yeah, it would have been cool. Nolan Ryan, the Ryan Express. That would have been awesome. I thought about that one as well. Just about every NHL goalie ever. I mm-hmm. found, including Marty Brodeur. A lot of goalies. Yeah. Ton of goalies. Yeah. Uh, Fuhr, who's the uh, Calgary Flames goalie. Fuhr? Yeah. Fuhr? Fuhr? Huh. How do you say? Hey. I thought I was up on my goalies. I'm not familiar with Fuhr. Well, he's the first uh, black NHL player to, be, uh, to enter in the Hall of Fame. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Played for the Flames. Flames goalie F. You are H. Oh, yeah, yeah. Grant Fuhr. You remember him? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and a host of others in the NHL. Also, Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis, Denver Bronco. My number thirty is a guy named Rashid Wallace. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, and on the YouTube.com, look at that Bullets jersey. Oh. He was drafted by, I guess we would call that the Washington team. As Bullets is also offensive, yeah. um, as is the football team. And uh, there on the right, he's yelling at an official. Now, Sheed, a uh, bit of a tough one for me because he's a Tar Heel, and I'm a Wahoo, and yeah. was raised not to 
like the Tar Heels. Yeah. Many battles in the with those mid mid nineties teams when the Who's had a good club. Yeah, when you were ten. Con, but yeah, ish. Um, responsible for at least popularizing. Ball don't lie. Mm-hmm. Both teams played hard and cut the check. Sheed was tossed from the McDonald's All-American game. No. Yeah. I didn't know that. And um, Wallace used the phrase, ball don't lie, used when a player on the opposing team misses a free throw after a disputed call by the referees. One notable incident occurred in December 2012 against the Phoenix Suns. Wallace pushed Luis Scola and received a technical foul. Goran Dragic missed the technical free throw, to which Wallace responded by saying, ball don't lie. Wallace then received a second technical foul leading to his ejection. <laughs> he played a minute, 25 seconds before being ejected. I do remember him pushing Scola. It was so early in the game. Yeah. And Scola is just minding his own business, hanging out in the corner, uh, you know, with that just slick back hairdo. Mm-hmm. I, Scola didn't need, that was unnecessary. Sheed was also tossed for staring, just staring at an official <laughs> for too long. And I always like to do this. Born September 17th. 1974, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, theme on this show. He's six foot 11, 230 pounds. Rashid Wallace, my number 30. I like that. I like that because he popularized um, non-murder pro athletes driving Ford Broncos. Mm. Yeah, that was, a, that, that was much needed. Um, we needed that. For yeah. a while there was just OJ. Right. And I like, I, I got a 95 Bronco. I drive it sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought it was unfair. We were, we were just always, we were always associated with OJ. And Rashid came along and stood up and said, hey, I got a Bronco. I'm a pro athlete. I don't do murders. Yeah. Unfortunately, I still think OJ. I don't think Rashid Wallace, Chris Long. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I don't think OJ did it. Jesus. No. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that is not my take. Um, Sheed um, doing, has done, and hopefully continues to do big things for the Flint water crisis. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. We should get him involved with Water Boys. Shout out to Sheed. Yeah. Yeah, geez. That'd be great. We got a domestic program coming along. Um, my number 30, and it came down to, you know, a former teammate in Todd Gurley. A running back who I, uh, another running back who I really admire, and James Connor, mm-hmm. out of Pitt. Everybody knows his story: uh, beating cancer, uh, plays in Pittsburgh. He's living just the life. Hometown guy, hometown college, playing for the Steelers. Nolan Ryan was close for me. Kerry Kittles was close for me. Recently saw him at a Brooklyn Nets game. Uh, you know, obviously, for those of you who are. Not in your 30s, you would remember Kerry Kittles as a Villanova star. Nova. And uh, played for the Nets for a long time. Scola. Scola. And then, uh, you know, Mike Scott was a finalist for me. Nice. Our boy Mike Scott, uh, who's, who's a forward for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, now wears number one, yeah? Mm-hmm. But we're, we're 30 in Washington, uh, and we're 23 at UVA. So Mike just missed the... Uh, the Tony Bennett era. I mean, by a, a, a couple years there. He was in the dark days. Con. He was there for one year? Mike Scott was coached by Tony Bennett. For one year? Uh, one or two. One or two? Yeah. Oh, well, at least he got a little bit of taste of greatness. 
Yeah, he also wore the number 32 at Virginia. I just associate him with bad times. College, Virginia, 07 to 12. Yeah. And uh, Tony came along in 2009. Damn, so I f- we could throw this whole thing out. No, keep it in. He had what two we- or three years with Tony? What are we worried about? Did he really have two or three years with Tony? Yeah, that's what my... How far did they get? Did what- they lose to Florida one year? Got... Got smoked by Florida. Smoked by Florida. Was that a Tony team that got smoked by Florida? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, the good Tony years. He missed the good Tony years. Well, that, that I mean, the club made the NC2 a tournament. Well, we're getting to be uh, snobs right now yeah. where we're complaining about being a, a 9 or a 10 seed. Back in those days, we were happy to get smoked by Florida in the first round. Mike Scott, uh, who's in Philly now, does a lot of great you know, uh, community engagement stuff. He recently had a uh, watch party, the All-Star game, with a bunch of fans. He does like kind of pop-up charity-type things. Uh, he played in the uh, D-League for a little bit on the, what is this, the uh, Long Beach Jam? No, is it the Bakersfield Jam, uh, formerly the Long Beach Jam. Former home of Dennis Rodman and Matt Barnes, that organization. It's now defunct. Hmm. Uh, but the number 30 with all that lead-in that I wanted to highlight was Mike Minter. Mike Minter. Do you remember Mike Minter? Yeah. Safety, Carolina Panthers, shown here in the Icy Whites. That's really nice. Uh, Played about eight, 10 years in Carolina, but this was more of an opportunity to bring up my Carolina fandom. Yeah. I was a big Panthers fan growing up. I can attest. Yes, I mean, I had, uh, I painted my face Hmm. as as a teenager at a Panthers game. I am ecstatic that there are no pictures floating around of that. Um, did, because, you go, did you go because you didn't go with the silver or the teal? Is that what you're saying? No, it's just having your face painted in an NFL game, there's kind of an age threshold. Yeah. Unless you're being, you know, like comedic. You yeah. know, you can get away with being comedic and being a 35-year-old dude with face paint. But when you're a teenager, you're kind of serious about it. And I don't mean like I have my driver's license yet, but like that, like the few years before you have it and you're a little bit awkward. And for me, I look like I'm 18 when I'm 12, 13. So I'm getting judged a little bit differently. So I hope those pictures never surface of me with my face painted at a Carolina Panthers game uh, in, in the late 90s, it would have been. Turn of the century, Y2K time. I mean, like I had Sunday ticket. I remember all the players, I mean, whether you know it was Wesley Walls, Hussein Muhammad, you know, on defense you have Mike Rucker, uh Brenson Buckner, you had I think Chris Jenkins was uh Chris Jenkins was there for a little bit, obviously Julius Peppers. Biaka Batuka, mm. that would be somebody uh right up your alley there. Shimanga. Tishmanga, yeah. Uh-huh. Dan Morgan, that was another one. But I that sounds made up. No, Dan Morgan was a linebacker for the Miami Hurricanes who hurt his neck and couldn't play that long in the NFL. I'm, I'm serious now. You don't remember him? I don't, but I believe you. Kevin he, Green, Greg Lloyd? Ke- Kevin Green was one that... Kevin Green actually had a lot to do with uh, accelerating my, my Panthers fandom. I, was, I met him. My dad took me to uh, do like a locker room feature on them, maybe like 98 or something. And uh, I got to meet Kevin Green. He was so cool. By the way, I ran into a bunch in the NFL because he was a D-line coach, uh, linebackers coach for a long time. He might still be coaching. Um, and he was a cool guy. So that accelerated the whole thing. This reminded me of the, the fact that I was a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan of the National Hockey League. And so strange. I, 
I, yeah, I cried. Why is that strange? You're a Carolina Panthers fan. You're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I'm a Virginia kid now. We are in a, uh, what are we in? A, uh, what are we in, Chris? I don't know. I'm, I'm not no the man, guy with, no man's the, land. with the verbiage on this pod. We're in a no man's land with regard to professional sports we team are. affiliations. We are. And I can remember crying like a baby when uh, the Panthers, or the, uh, not the Panthers, the, uh, Penguins. the, pe- the Penguins lost to the uh, Florida Panthers. See, see where that's confusing. I think it was in the, uh, in the conference finals, and I was petrified to, to Google what year that was because I remember how hard I cried. Because if that was like 99 or 2000, I was like, I'm really looking at my teenage self kind of funny. Looks like 96. Yeah, I was 11 years old. So that made me feel a lot better. I'm talking like snot, like the whole nine yards. Down, wow. down on the couch alone, I guess my parents let me stay up till whenever. You know, no, no bedtime, no... Nobody gave a fuck. I was just crying alone on the couch. Yeah. Just watching, watching people skate around and skate off the ice. Uh, I was really ashamed to have that memory. I was happy to hear that that was 1996. Uh, and that, that brings me to a question I have for you. Okay. Um, you know, we beat Duke this weekend. Yep. As, as called on green light. We called uh, on green 29. light. Is it okay to be a Duke fan and not be from North Carolina or go to Duke? My answer is yes, but you can't, you can't back up off it. Um, like coach Krzyzewski tries to do when he, makes up his back issues, no pun intended. Uh, I mean, you got to stick with it. If you're going to be a, a lifelonger, okay, yeah, I'll grant yeah. it, but you can't just come and go when they're a one seed. And But they're just, they're so, there's so many. I mean, 90% of people on Twitter who are Duke fans didn't go to Duke and don't live in fucking Durham or even High Point. Yeah. And I just think, I, I, I kind of, I kind of think I can't take you seriously and, and I'm, I'm looking at my own fandom. Okay, I'm a Knicks fan. I grew up and I like the Penguins. Um, and uh, I was a Panthers fan. Okay, so none of those teams. I mean, if I went default, technically I'd go Washington football team, Washington basketball team. <laughs> Can't use any of the names. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't have a baseball team. I think it's different than pro sports. You can't just adopt college teams. I think there has to be some geography in play. Okay, maybe you're swaying me on this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You picking up what I'm putting down? I've seen in the last several years that Virginia has gained a lot more fans. Just random fans in like Cedar Rapids. Maybe, maybe, yeah, I guess most folks have a Commonwealth tie but did not go to the university. And I say the more the merrier. These are the, 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 the teams. Ohio State has a lot of people like that. UNC definitely. You For know, sure. UNC. I would say with maybe. With the Jordan brand. And, tops. Yeah, I mean, UNC is probably the mecca of didn't sniff Chapel Hill, never yeah. grew up in North, or lived in North Carolina. Uh, Florida's another one mm. I think people take too. Teams that come to UVA, by far the, uh, the stragglers, the team with the most stragglers after the game, waiting for pictures or autographs, trying to catch the team, walking mm-hmm. out to the buses is UNC. Really? Every year. Yep. Yeah, they're a uh they're they're a, they're a lot of they're zealots. Mm. These uh UNC and Duke fans. Mm-hmm. And they've never set foot in the state. 
And I'm just saying, it's a little fucked up. On the Duke uh, topic, you saw Coach K's diatribe. Yeah, when he directed people to look at the look at his banners. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me about that, dog. Don't besmirch the kids. Talk about me, but if you talk about me, look at all my my banners. I'm really happy we have Tony Bennett as our head coach. I was coach thinking nice. the same thing. I was thinking to myself, like, I never thought I'd see Coach K look so outclassed. I mean, he, he, he's he been doing it for years where he whines about stuff, and I, I respect him immensely. Great coach, okay? Like, and I understand some of this. Like, there's there's coach, not every coach is Tony from a, from a standpoint of the way they address the media or the way they carry themselves. If I was a coach, I wouldn't be as classy as Tony. Right. But... When you're Duke, you're supposed to be the gold standard. You're not supposed to go low. Right. There was a game, I guess it could have been 79, probably early 80s, ACC tournament where Virginia blows out Duke by 40-plus. And uh, the story and the documentaries is that they go out to dinner. The Duke coaching staff afterwards said, here's to forgetting. There's a documentary on this? Yeah. The the class that saved Coach K. Here's to never forgetting this Virginia game. And then Coach K said, no, 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 here's to never forgetting this Virginia game. And he claims that Virginia ran up the score with Ralph Sampson playing 40 minutes. Ralph played 14 minutes in that 40-plus point blowout. Do they note that in the documentary? No, of course not. But if you go to the box score, it's there. 1-4. Uh, yeah, Mike, um, <laughs> Guy, what are you doing? I love how Mike lost two games last week. One giving up 113 points and the other giving up 52 How do you get blown out in double points. overtime? Yeah. How do you get blown out in double overtime? 113 to 101 and then lost to a team that scored 52. 52. 52. And that's all it took. That's all it took. And like I said, we don't rush the court anymore about Duke. We don't gloat about Duke. We're only talking about it because Coach K can't stay out of the news. Yeah. You know, these five, this five banner talk. The funniest spin I saw is our guy, Jay Williams, who's a very nice, nice fellow, right? I like Jay. Yeah, Jay's great. We, we hung out with him as hard as that is for you to say. Yep. Uh, we hung out with him after the, uh, the NCAA title game. We also hung out with Charles Barkley. I don't think we've talked about this on this pod, have we? I don't know. Ended up in the hotel bar with, with, with Chuck and uh, Stanford Steve and Jay, and Charles was buying shots and... Charles the was thing. the man. He was the he was the best. Especially two nights after his Auburn Tigers lose in excruciating fashion, and we to roll in, and he's saying, "Wahoo, wahoo, yeah. wahoo, wahoo." wahoo, wahoo. <laughs> he didn't quite have wahoo wah down, <laughs> no. but wahoo, wahoo. What are yeah. y'all drinking? Yeah. yeah, and and many a drink was was purchased. Yeah, uh, at a cl- at a closed bar. Too, at a closed right? bar. At a closed yeah. bar, and he's toasting people like like. You know, like we're the only people in the bar. Now there's still 150. It wasn't exactly an intimate se- uh, setting. Now Jay, his twist today, Jay Williams, I think it was on uh, Get Up, was that look what Coach K's doing. He's taking the the pressure off his kids. He's 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 deflecting the pressure on these kids amid amid this this losing streak and putting it on him. And he had the gall. At Jones Arena on Saturday, the first thing he said in the post-game press conference was, well, you know, we're really young. (laughs) We start four freshmen, we're really young. Yeah, Like, bro, nobody's forcing you to take all these one-and-done kids. No one. No one. Nobody. 
Well, we were going to get to Coach K, but we got to it right there. Um, one thing to mention, it is, as we record this, Super Tuesday. Mm. As you can see, Macon voted. Uh, and I want to just remind you that if you didn't vote, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> but if you did, and you didn't vote for the candidate I want to represent the Democratic Party, you're either a moderate, a corporate shill, or a fucking communist. You American politics. <laughs> You don't know that I voted. I just have a sticker. I know. And the sticker is the funniest thing. The, the, you know, I, I get it. I mean, we, everybody should vote. I mean, you really should. And I'm only wearing this for the pod. I would but he's only wearing it for the pod. And if you happen to live in the uh, 36 states that aren't participating in Super Tuesday, maybe you're not one of those things that you just... Uh, exactly. Yeah, okay. I don't want to be a dick about it. But, I mean, yeah. there, there are some people that should be getting their, their rear ends to, to their... Uh, what, what would you call it? Polling stations. Polling stations. Yep. It seems like you've got a lot of practice in this voting thing. <laughs> well, I'll be going right after this. Okay. You're going to see 14 names on the ballot while we have about four candidates at and the And I'm not going to tell you who the fuck I voted for because you don't need to know. It's a private vote. You don't need to know. Yep. I, I, I'm so burnt out with uh, American politics. Ooh, he said burnt out. You got it interesting cannabis jokes oh no that was a political joke <laughs> oh burnt out. oh got it yeah <laughs> i totally missed that yeah yeah i was spelling it with a u yeah yeah so um a little bit different but quick question i got a couple questions for you here uh life life coach okay so waylon my son had a birthday uh this weekend turned four happy um, birthday to waylon Happy birthday to my little guy, although he's not little anymore. And for people that have kids, it's like, you know when old people tell you shit and you just nod your head because you're like, I've heard that 14 fucking times. Well, there's a reason you've heard it 14 times because when they tell you that it goes by in a blink of an eye, it really does. Uh, so I'm going to start listening to old people more since I had kids. Um, you know what I uh, have never said before? What? what I'm going to say now? The days are long, Chris, but the years are short. Is that something you made up? No. Oh, okay, good. That's good. made me really uncomfortable. But hey, think about it. Will you think about it for a second? Yeah. Uh, you know, when Waylon's screaming and yelling and crying. Got you. And, this is a, is a parent thing. Well, no, I think it applies to everybody. Okay, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, oh, that's good. The days I'm there. are long, but the years are I'm short. I'm there. Dang. I'm there. there. Okay. Took me a second, but I'm there. That's a good one. But Thank yeah, you. I mean, like, you know, you, if, you're, if you're about to be a dad or whatever... Um, just really try to slow it down because it it it. I mean, four years just went by like 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 nothing. And um, you know, anyways, long story short, Waylon had a uh, a birthday cake, an ice cream cake that didn't look good, didn't look that good to me. So mm. we cut the cake. You know, had my parents over, had the whole like intimate family setting kind of birthday. Was I wrong to forego the? the ice cream cake because I knew I had a piece of coconut cake in the fridge that I bought. No. So I, that was cool. Yeah. No, I'm good. I don't need any ice cream cake. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I'm wondering if I can tell a story. I'll think on that. No, you always refuse if you want to refuse. Yeah, so it's not personal. Yeah. I mean, All right, like, I'm going to tell it. Okay, tell the story. Frank Quayle is a guy. Love Frank Quayle. Yeah. Played football for Virginia mm -hmm. and was a radio analyst for the Virginia Sports Network for a long time. Yeah. He 
retired following a uh, Peach Bowl appearance yeah. against uh, Auburn in 2011. Okay. And so the Peach Bowl, to um, thank Frank for his 27 years in the booth, uh, brings him up, not a cake, a piece of cake that had been cut from who knows where <laughs> in the Georgia Dome. Said, hey, Frank, on a plastic, on a, on, a, on a paper plate, Frank, thanks for 27 years. And Frank, God bless Frank, amazing man. He goes, aha, uh, I don't want that. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. No. That's how I, I was looking at the fucking ice cream cake, but not because of the... Not because it looked unclean. Yeah. Or like it was just mangled in the Georgia Dome. Right. Like it just didn't look that good. Waylon enjoyed it, but I'll be damned if at 9.30 at night when everybody went to bed, I went in there and got my coconut cake and my three scoops of vanilla yeah. ice cream, which by the way was exquisite. Um, I am trying to cut down on desserts. Uh, second question. I wouldn't cut down either. Really? Life short. I mean, watch the sugar intake. Days are, generally. Days are long. Days are long, years are short. Yep. Uh, so my next question is, uh, I've noticed, okay, I, I like to hold the door for people, which I'm hearing is not always acceptable anymore. You, you shouldn't always hold the door. Why? Some ladies don't like it if you hold the door for them. Oh. It can be looked at as like, it, and some people don't like to be the door to be held for them. So like, what's the threshold for they're too far to stop and continue to hold the door? You know, if you see somebody getting out of their car and the car's not very far from the door, you're kind of like, as you're approaching the door, you're thinking to yourself, do I hold it for them, do I not? Is it too far? Are they gonna feel like I'm slamming in their face? Like, is it 15 feet? Is it 20 feet? I think the threshold is if that person has to alter their normal their gait. gait. Yeah, if they gotta speed up, yeah. don't just go. Don't, yeah, okay. Let it, let it go. Now say I hold the door for somebody. I've just, that was kind of something on the spot, but Say I hold the door for somebody, the register, uh, the, the, the place you order is right in the door. Say Juice Laundry. Okay. We know the place. It's a, it's a wonderful juice spot destination yeah. here. Yeah, great oat bowls. Oh, good oat bowls. Yep, great cold oat press, bowls. Cold press, bunch of cold press things yeah. in there. Um, open the door, holding the door for somebody. There's nobody else in line. They walk right up to the register, right? Yeah. So they get their number one in line. And you right. were there first, but you were being a good guy and holding the door. Yeah, the person not you has to then say, Right? Now after you. Right? Yes. Right. 100% of the time. Holy shit, I've been getting taken advantage of. But maybe building up karma, pointage. I don't know if I believe in karma anymore. Hmm. I've held the door for so many people and they take advantage of my kindness and they just walk up to the register. Yeah. I had that recently at the kebab shop now that you mention it. Yeah, it's a fucked up move. Yeah. Yep. All right, so I'm not crazy. Right? No, no. Okay, cool. No, not at all. In other news, um, you see the NBA is taking action or um, suggesting to their players certain guidelines in the uh, in the anticipation of the coronavirus hitting the U.S., it's already hit the U.S., but like in mass. So, um, which I think is probably a good idea. On a serious note, they they told players no more daps with fans, fist bumps. Okay, they've also said that autographs. Yep, 
Yep, just one of those little quick ones. Oh, hey, hey. No, you can't blow it up anymore. Really? Yeah, because when you, when you blow it up, and for those of you listening, we just did the blow it up thing. Well, they heard the... You're actually kind of spitting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't blow it up. Okay. Yeah, so just keep it to a nice, quiet eye contact. <laughs> yeah, no, no explosions. I'm not... Okay. No explosions. I, I was trying to be mouth. serious about this because... Listen, this thing is scary as shit. It it should be taken seriously, and um, people are dying. So, like, I know that we joke about everything on Twitter, but I kind of have mixed feelings about getting on the timeline and seeing everybody getting their coronavirus jokes off. Uh, and to those people, I will ask them not to fucking complain when they're suddenly pivoting and saying... Oh, well, now that it's in my state or in, in my country or my community, then we can't joke about it anymore. Right. I mean, just pick one, man. I, I, I'm not a big fan of joking about this thing. I'll just get that out there. And I've, I've seen a lot of accounts just for clout getting these coronavirus jokes off. Um, but it is kind of fucking stupid. Uh, and I read this in an article that, quote, New York Knicks forward Bobby Portis simply re- repeated the phrase, quote, Corona, as he fist-bumped fans in the crowd during the game against the Houston Rockets Monday night. Yeah. So I mean, maybe, it's just a little levity there. Yeah, fans are looking for high fives, and he's just going, Corona, Corona, <laughs> Corona, Corona, with all his power. No, just nodding like, you know, Corona. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? No, it's a good uh, I. A germaphobe. Well, 38% of Americans thinks he's talking about the beer. Right. I'm a germaphobe. Yes. And uh, just had a... Me as well. A lunch meal and was introduced to somebody. Yeah. And I went for the handshake and my guy said, oh, we can't do that. You want a chest bump? Right. So we can't handshake anymore. I, and it was half the joke, but he also didn't he's shake also my hand. Very serious. Like, yeah. no, yeah, joke's over. Yeah. But there's no handshake at the end of this. And I don't right. blame anybody. I'm I've I've turned into a real germaphobe in my uh in my thirties. Uh, there's a few things that that I think are remarkable that we allow to happen on a regular basis. One, we've talked about washing fruit, right? I think it's ridiculous that people are as adamant about sanitizing and washing their hands, which they should be. But then they just run their apple under the water for like 15 seconds. Makes Ooh, no sense to me. Like three seconds, yeah. Three seconds, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that'll do it. Yep. No coronavirus on this apple. Mm-mm. I got to wash my, I got to wash like in the web of my hands. I do that anyway. For 20 plus seconds with hot water. Because if it's cold water, it's not going to get the job done. And like special soap, like not just dial like real deal Holyfield soap. But if I run the apple under cold water with no soap for three seconds and put it in my mouth, I'm fine. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. I think you're right. My, uh, my webbing is dry because I've been washing. You've been washing so much. So, well, uh, some people in my life make fun of me for how often I wash my hands and, um, Nobody's laughing now. Some people make fun of me because I brush my teeth a lot, so I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, I take too many showers. I take. I. I do the same thing. Uh, also, shoes in your bag. People will go to New Orleans, go to like Mardi Gras, just happen, running up and down Bourbon Street, vomit, 
urine, bile, all the same. Uh, horse manure, mm. just like it's a hellhole. Uh, there's viruses there. They'll take their shoes off and put them in their duffel bag, like on top of their other things, mm-hmm. including clothes that they say, Well, I didn't wear these clothes. These are clean clothes. Everything in that bag is getting hazmated when you leave somewhere like New Orleans or really anywhere. You pack your shoes in a, in a bag. I think that's ridiculous practice as a germaphobe. They make those shoe bags. Yeah, the shoe bags help, but do you actually see people using them? No. Exactly. Uh, I guess, yeah, the shoes in the bag. And then also hotels, bathroom cups. Hotels, bathroom cups. The glasses? They're not getting washed, by the way, bro. Yeah. I reckon you're right. Another, another thing I, not to scare you? Yeah. Toothbrush. Have it away from your toilet. Have we talked about this? I think so. At least in poop particles. Real life. You flush yeah. the toilet. Study says that your, to- your toothbrush is covered in, in poop particles. Yeah. Just a reminder. What about your, uh, your mobile? Mobile? Disgusting. Whatever's on it is going to be in and around my mouth. Mm-hmm. Just because I can't put this thing down and I'm not, you know, Lysoling this thing on the regular. My lovely girlfriend Kate is. Yeah, my wife, my lovely wife Meg does Ooh, the same thing. Just a wife, huh? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so anyways, the, the, the NBA is taking measures to keep people safe. I think it's a good thing. Kemba Walker is going to get his own, mar- uh, own marker. Um, those are just a few uh, really disgusting practices that I hope people amend. Uh, you know, don't put your shoes in your bag when you're on vacation. Uh, you know, get your toothbrush away from your toilet. There's poop particles flying everywhere. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, bathroom cups at hotels. Don't mess with that stuff. And figure out a better way to wash fruit. Uh, I want to get to, before we get, we, we've got Jeff Schwartz, by the way, coming on in a little bit to talk all the hardcore football. I know we're bullshitting a lot here, but we are going to talk some combine. Jeff Schwartz, host of the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. Um, he is going to be with me for, I think I'm going to get him. He says he's got about a half hour, so that should be good. Uh, and we're going to talk about the O lineman at the combine. We're going to talk about D lineman a little bit as well. And then also like Oregon, Justin Herbert, uh, Jeff played at Oregon, uh, as well. So, uh, here's what's going on in sports right now. And this is one of those podcasts where we don't really need any structure. I'm just going to bring it up and you tell me what you think, make. Okay. Uh, Spike Lee. Did you see him talk on first take today? Director, film director. I did. Also disgruntled Knicks fan right now. Yeah, I have seen that clip. What, 10 mil is the estimate? What estimate? That he's uh, paid for oh, a yeah, seat yeah, probably. to the New York Knicks. He will remind you, I mean, like they'll ask him a question that has, it's already established that he's been a Knicks fan since the beginning of time. Uh, but he cannot help but remind you that he saw Willis Reed. You know, he was there when they drafted Patrick Ewing. Um, He wasn't really doing a lot of answering questions. He just called Stephen A. Smith and said, can I come in and vent for 20 minutes? On a very busy sports day, there's a lot of real sports stories. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually asked them to put him in cuffs like his brother, Charles Oakley, was the quote last night in New York. 
Right. James Dolan. James Dolan, he was evidently incensed about um, not what happened, but the misrepresentation of what happened by the Knicks. Uh, he had tried, he'd been going through the same tunnel for since Willis Reed, evidently. Um, and there was a change in protocol. He's, he claims he wasn't um, made aware of that. They turned him away. Uh, Spike Lee is done watching Knicks games for the year. That was the wow. big... Uh, he was, he's done going to MSG for the year to watch the Knicks play. He was using the employee entrance, correct? Not the VIP so. entrance. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so Spike Lee also... Tough interview. I didn't watch it in full. Yikes. Um, you can decline this. Yeah. Would you like to name as many New York Knicks as you can? No. Beloved team? No chance. Okay. I'd name about four right now. Okay. That's fine. Like I said, I've been taking a hiatus. Okay. And I think Spike is finally coming around. You and Spike. Yep. Spike says he's done for the year with the Knicks, so am I. Okay. Good deal. (laughs) What do you think about the Romo situation? By that situation, I mean him uh, being generationally wealthy now. Like generationally wealthy. Do we know what the other analysts are making? We don't. 17 mil a season, which is basically a mil a week yeah, yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. That seems like a lot of money. It is, but it's not when you look at what CBS and like Viacom well, that's for sure. invest in, in the NFL product. I mean, right. it's a drop in the bucket for them. Because like, we look at it like the production cost exceeds, I mean, I don't know about exceeds his salary, um, but... You know, it's tens of millions of dollars in production costs. It's although my man, speaking for myself, Phil Sims was a tough listen at times. I don't know that I'm tuning into a game because of Tony Romo. And that's the big that's the big um, argument people have against it. Which I don't even know why why there is an argument um, because he's great at what he does. You know, he, it's not hurting anybody else. And in fact, like players that drive the the the, the price up. Uh, in free agency, he's going to drive up prices for for people that want to do color commentary. And Chris, let me talk to you about fair market value. Yeah, a house is worth mm-hmm. what someone is willing to pay for it. So now we're getting some real estate intel. And you might have had ESPN looking at Tony Romo for that Monday Night Football spot, and CBS just had to lock him down, no matter the number. He and and at ESPN, you know, generally they're not going to pay, you know what what CBS was, was talking about paying, but who's to say they wouldn't have? I mean, he, he's definitely um, the viewership in that slot that CBS has late in the day on sun, Sunday afternoons is huge. Um, you know, he, he's got a really good relationship with Nance. That was supposedly a lot of it. And people, a lot of people were assigning this, this jealousy that Nance might have because he's been in the business so long. Mm. Um, I don't see it that way because all they do is talk glowingly about each other and they knew they had a relationship before he even got in the booth. So Nance has spoken on how uh, him and Tony working together the next 10, 15 years, it could be like this, this yeah. power couple. Nance also calls the final four and the masters. Right. I so what I, think you, I, don't, I think his ego is fine. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot of other people who are a tick jealous of Tony Romo uh, saying, well, you know, what about Jim Nance? I mean, I'm, I'm worried about what Jim Nance is. I, Good for Tony. Good for Tony. I think he's terrific at what he does. Uh, and again, you know, him and Nance work really well together. And he's resetting the market for analysts. So I want to get Jeff Schwartz on the line while we still got him. Again, we're going to talk about some combines, some O-line free agency stuff. Uh, he's a 
really high football IQ guy. So let's get him on the line. Y'all, y'all have the same amount of letters in your names. Actually, the three of us all have the same amount of letters in our first names. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. I'm not going to tell him that. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. A, uh, you know, usually I don't have O Lyman on. On it's kind of scary to have O Lyman on here looking at me through the Skype machine. But I've got Jeff Schwartz here, eight-year NFL vet, Oregon Duck, and uh, you know the host of a terrific podcast. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Jeff, how are we doing, buddy? You have your brother in though, but doesn't probably feels yeah. more like your brother's not an offensive lineman, right? Yeah. Like it just feels he's kind of fu- right? he's kind of fucked up too. Like you guys are a lot like you guys are usually a lot more like type A and together, which you are. Yeah. Kyle is a little bit different. He, he, he there was a chromosome <laughs> yeah. missing that he ended up on that side of the ball. So <laughs> that's so, a great way to put it. Yeah, he's like a defensive lineman who's an offensive lineman. Yes, pretty much. Pretty yeah, much, it's it's fair. So, and actually, ironically, another Oregon guy, and uh, yeah. you know, I'm 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 watching the combine, and and first off, watching the Rose Bowl and watching Oregon, the big the the misnomer here was with Pac-12 football is not physical, and largely it might not be, but those guys up there are physical. They're building something that's like kind of a powerhouse machine. You know, we're going to run the rock. We're going to recruit big O linemen. Uh, what do you make of what's going on up at Oregon, and how those guys fare at the combine this weekend? Because I saw a few. Yeah, well, generally speaking, what Mario Cristobal has figured out uh, is that you need to have SEC bodies to win against SEC teams, right, in the playoff and in those situations against Clemson. And so he's recruiting big boys. We have giant humans at Oregon and says, look, (laughs) we'll put you in a strength program. We'll we'll, we'll cut weight. We'll we'll put on weight. Whatever we have to do, we just want to get giant bodies. That's what he had. Penesul, left tackle, who's not draft eligible now, came in as a true freshman at 355. He's now 330, right? They cut his weight down. He looks good. He's the best guy not draft eligible next year, by the way. Penesul will be the number one off at the tackle, won the Allen Trophy this year. He's a stud. He's He's an absolute stud. Would he be better than any of the tackles right now? Um, Yeah. I mean, won the Allen Trophy as a sophomore. Yeah. That's a pretty. It's pretty amazing. Um, so you look at his his left guard Shane Lemieux, four year starter. He actually his his lateral quickness is a concern, but he did pretty well at the combine. He's a big mauler type. He's a guy that you're going to find in like a Steelers offense, right? That kind of moves vertically up the field. You're not going to find him in a zone offense, in my opinion. Um, Jay Canton, a center, four-year starter. It's invaluable to have four years at center at major college football. He can probably do it more uh, in different schemes. He's not the strongest of guys. I think I think he's going to have issues with, and most centers do, getting just bull rushed back, right? I mean, yeah. center, we know that you can put a guy on them and try to penetrate and loop around him is a good way to go. Uh, Warmack, their right guard, not a combine invite. Um, he will, uh, he'll be a priority for agent. And then the right tackle, Calvin Throckmorton, he's interesting. So he's a guy that I think really tests the way we evaluate offensive linemen now. We, we used to just watch the film and say a guy can block or he can't block. We'll get him in a camp. We'll get him in two a days. We'll get him in pads. We'll work with him, right? But now, because of less practice time, I think teams try to draft athletes, right? With right. less practice time, we'll just draft the best athlete. We'll put him out there and we'll see how he does. The problem is a lot of those best athletes aren't very skilled. They're not technically sound. And they, they get in the NFL and there's no time to work on your there's craft. No coaching. There's no coaching. There's no coaching. coach. Zero coaching. And a bunch of the old offensive line coaches don't even really attempt. They worry about the – they talk about the old days and how we used to hit. And they haven't adapted to the times. And so Calvin Throckmore in the right tackle – all he does is block people. He didn't allow, I think, a sack in college. He just blocks dudes. Mm-hmm. But he ran a 5-6 in the combine. He's not a good athlete. Right. And he's a test where you know most teams have him 
graded, you know, priority free agent, end of the end of the end of the draft. He just blocks guys. Like to me, that's important. If you block a guy in college, you typically will block a guy in the NFL. Right. That's all he does. Right. And so he's a test of the way that we evaluate offensive linemen now, where we say, look, not the greatest athlete. I'm not disagreeing with you there, but whatever he does on the field on Saturdays works. And that should translate to Sunday. He'll probably end up playing guard on Sundays, but he's got to come in the NFL. He'll play for 10 years. He's not going to be a pro bowler, but he's a guy you can rely on each and every day to do his job. Right. So, so now on the, on the flip side of things, somebody who, yeah. who wows you with the numbers and whatnot, because we talked about this off air. There's probably about four or five guys are going to yeah. go at tackle. who are going to go in that first round. Is there yeah. one guy that you're seeing and you're like, okay, he's he's a test athlete. He's not going to block people. I'm worried about this yeah. guy. Well, the one guy that stands out to me is Austin Jackson of USC. And look, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't really like to talk down about kids. I mean, I feel like no, I, it's, it's it's a I'm, fucked I'm, up. It's like a weird. It's a weird thing to have to do because yeah. you have to evaluate. You have to be honest. Yeah. But it's nothing personal, and and you'd love right. to be wrong. I'd love yeah. to be wrong and, about these and, guys. I don't feel that way about pro guys. I don't give a shit. I'll call, I'll say you suck if you're a pro, but yeah. college guys I feel like kind of bad talking about guys like this. But he's a guy that is hugely athletic. A USC kid. Yeah. I think he ran a five second 40. Um, you know, t- t- his 10 was at one seven. Hugely athletic. Great yeah. athlete. But he's not very good at blocking guys sometimes. And he's a guy. He's he's the perfect guy for what I just said. Someone's going to draft him the top 15 or 16 or 17, and they're not going to have enough time to work with him. He's coming to the NFL. He's not going to be technically sound. You could draft a guy, and there's other guys that, you know, Makai Beckton from Louisville, 365 pounds. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. 17% body fat. Um, you know, he'll go ahead of him. Uh, you know, so will uh, the Willis kid from Alabama, who's probably the best offensive lineman in this draft, the right tackle. You like He's him. You like him a lot. Yeah, he's good, dude. Um, I saw a couple of him this year where he actually gave – this is rare to do in college. He faked that he was going to cut a defensive end and then just went to a vertical set, which is, like, amazing to do in college. Like, he kind of gave one of these yeah. and then dropped back. It yeah. was great. Really good hands, strong. You know, Alabama guys, they're very technically sound. And, and, and we see that with him, just very good with his hands and he moves really well. The kid from Iowa, Tristan Wirfs, he had the most amazing combine, right? Set the record for vertical and broad jump, ran a 4.85. He's a little, needs a little polishing, but obviously amazing athlete out of Iowa. Not the pure run blocker we've seen out of Iowa. You know, we've seen guys now for years, Brandon Sheriff. And yeah, the, just maulers. And, and the tight ends, right? Riley yeah. Reef is a mauler too. Mm-hmm. Tristan's more on the pass blocking side. It's more pass blocking guy. Right tackle too. It's interesting. We have a lot of guys that played right tackle that might be taken early in the draft and Andrew Thomas from Georgia, probably the, I would say the fourth you go, maybe probably Willis and Becton Werfs, And then you go um, to, to Thomas and then probably Austin Jackson. So there's those five guys, as soon as the run starts on them at some point, probably is maybe early as, is eight or nine. We're going to see all those guys go, I think in order. Now, now I've looked at a couple mock drafts for whatever that's worth. Uh, <laughs> And I, I noticed that, you know, uh, Wills um, down in, in at Bama, who, by the way, I talked to my buddy at Bama uh, who, who, who compared him to Trent Williams, which I thought was interesting. And, and when I watched him at the, com- I, I watched him at the combine, um, and by the way, he loved him, so he's going to be great. My one worry looking at him uh, is he looks not light in the ass, but he's built top heavy. He's not like, he does, he's not like, yeah. I look at, I look at uh, the kid at, at Iowa and he's built like a bear. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everything on him is yeah. thick, and you know there's a little bit of a an imbalance there. When you, when you're looking at a guy's body type, 
uh, like the kid down at Bama. Yeah. What are you overlooking and what are you concerned about? What's one yeah. thing you see physically when you look at a kid at the combine? You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about this. I, I really don't think that matters terribly much as long as their technique is good. And that's the yeah. thing about offensive line is that you have many body you know body types. Look at your brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Long ass torso, short ass legs. Like yes. you would never draw <laughs> him up like that. And mm-hmm. you never drop an offensive lineman like that. I'm I'm a huge offensive lineman. I play at 340. Now we're getting guys back like that. But there's guys that play at 305 yeah. that are stronger than me, right? It's right. all about how you generate explosiveness through your hips. And that's measured, obviously, at certain times at the combine. But it's all about your hands. His hands, Willis' hands are really He's good. He's got good hips, I'm, too. I noticed that. Yeah. He does have good so hips. I'm not worried about his – I'm not worried. You know, Trent Brown, you know Trent. You, yeah. you were there with him. He's a refrigerator from his waist up. Yes. He's got big legs, but his legs don't really match the rest of his body. Right. And he's, I would call him, he's a top heavy guy, kind of the way he pass sets. Doesn't matter. He's freaking huge. Yeah. You can't get around him. You're not so, going to get him to lean to where he yes. will fall on his face because he's not threatened by your anchor. Correct. Or his anchor so is not threatened the, by your bull yeah, rush. He's also, you know, when you're 375, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid of, you can of, just anyone, sit back. of anyone's anchor. Um, so that's why I think that, you know, these guys, but yeah, of course, body structure is good. And, you know, I think that if you have a guy with really, really tiny legs, yeah, you might think that he can't anchor, but it's really all about your hips, how you can manipulate the power through your hips and offensive line. That's what all this is about. It's about hip explosion and getting yourself through the block at that position. And so you think the kid from Bama, if you're, you know, the Giants, and I've heard the Giants might, according to these mock drafts, and okay. as you know, mock drafts, it's it's law, the Giants are going to take uh, Isaiah <laughs> Simmons, but say the Giants wanted to protect Danny Dimes yeah. and they're looking at a tackle, you're taking the kid from Bama before you're taking I, Becton or, or yeah, probably. Uh, worse. Yeah. Um, but, you know, knowing Dave Gettleman, he's going D-tackle here. I mean, Derek Brown's written Derek all Brown over this Derek Brown is pick, written right? all over. Yep, all over this he's pick. Going, Derek, Derek, exactly. Derek Brown, he's like, you know what? Isaiah Simmons is there. We don't need him. I need another defensive tackle because I mm-hmm. love him. He drafts him all the time. Um, and he's going, Derek Brown, by the way, People have compared him to Haloti. That's that's a that's a lot. That's high praise. Um, I've heard Chris Jenkins as well. <laughs> um, I don't know. I watch his tape and I'm not sure. I mean, I, I like him. Uh, the kid who's enticing to me, and and it, it'd be a bit of more of a project would be the Kinlaw kid at South Carolina. He's yeah. he's twitchy. Now he gets narrow with his feet, and you know he he can kind of fall all over the place a little bit. I think they both are raw from a pass rush standpoint. But you like Derek Brown. By, by a ways, I would assume. He's he's so powerful. I yeah. watched him. You talk about Oregon's offensive line in week one, dude. He's a powerful man. Yeah. That, that's the Haloti that he reminds me of. I think that just the power. Now, Haloti's power is unbelievable. Uh, I don't think it's hard to compare anyone to Haloti, but yeah. just kind of the big and just the get off and the power uh, of that. He's able the ability to shed blocks and make tackles to me. And I think he's a hustle guy. You see yeah. him all the time. He's hustling down the field trying to make plays. I think that's important. You know, you're you talk about pass rush. I think we rarely see interior defensive linemen with um, established pass rush. Yeah, moves. they're not polished coming out. It doesn't happen very often. No. And when they do, like Aaron Donald coming out, it's amazing, right? Yeah, That's why I like Chase Young is because Chase Young has a primary move and a counter. Like he's already has a kind of an idea of what he wants to do. So when it comes to the NFL, he's able to just refine what he does and that, to me, is already a leg up on a lot of other guys. Which is a trend, it seems to be, at Ohio State here. They've rattled off a few. A couple from the same family, and now Chase Young. Like, the, 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 their hands, their usability to use their hands in pass yeah. rush is incredible. You don't get that in college. You really don't. A lot of guys just try to win with athleticism or being stronger, more powerful than you. But those guys, their hands are really good. They, they must have some great coaching at Ohio State. I agree. And, and by the way, I met... Um, 
I I met the uh, the fuck is his name. I met the dad of the two Boses. What's his his oh. first name? What's his first name? Do you remember his first name? You met him. He, he got drafted. Me. He got drafted in the first round in the eighties. This kid, uh, these these kids are impressive looking, but their dad looks like they he could still play. I mean, he's got to be fifty five. I mean, the guy is put together. So I the genetic part of it, I get. But then when you get a third guy like Chase Young, to your point, who's who's also playing with technique, looks to be polished. Uh, and I always say that that about pass rushers early on. It's the hardest position to make a transition at. I mean, it'll, it'll, you know, quarterback's tough, corner's really tough, but pass rush as well because there is so much technique. Yeah, it is. And I think that, you know, that the more you can do coming out of college, to me is impressive because there's not as much practice time and you're not getting taught all the techniques. And look, for us as offensive linemen, if you have three moves as a defensive player, we, we really don't know what to do with you because right. – if you have one move, you have speed move. We'll we'll we'll, we'll take it away, right? Yeah. If you have two, you know you speed. Okay, you come back inside. Okay, we know that if we overset, you're coming back. But the third move, it's the long arm, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's a spin off. A spin is my. I hate the spin. Oh my yep. god. I, I I didn't defend one spin in my career. Um, it's <laughs> it's, the, it's the <laughs> it's the third move that you have. Um, that really sets you apart. I think right. if you come in the NFL with a two moves already, you polish them up. But the third one. I mean, look at Bosa. Bosa, in my opinion, was the best player on the field in the Super Bowl. He yeah. was unbelievable. 12 pressures. Yeah. He just came many different ways. And I think the ability to have multiple ways to beat someone from the defensive line position is really impressive out of college. So you're looking at this and you're, you, you're telling me there's there's four or five guys that are going to go in the first round. And let me get, let me make sure we get this right. It's probably Becton, yeah. Wirfs, uh, Andrew Will- Thomas, uh, Wills, and Austin Jackson, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I think those guys are like going like right, right. Like I think there's a run on them, maybe eight or seven after quarterbacks are taken. Then just going to get. So you think the first one's going to have to wait till the back half of the top ten? I think so. If you look at the way that the draft breaks down, I just you know I can't. Detroit probably not going that direction. Um, You know, I I just it seems to that the court look. You're you're also going to have you're going to have you know Burrow, Tua, Okuda, Simmons. Yep. And you know Herbert and Love, right? Probably and Love six, is right? now in the conversation. And by the way, you bring something up here that you know Love's been kind of skyrocketing. Uh, he's everybody's kind of combine time darling. Yeah. I know that we look at the eighteen tape and the nineteen tape. Do you like him better uh, than Herbert? Are you on that? I I, I know this would be an incredibly <laughs> yeah. unbiased answer coming from you, but well, here's my thing about the way we've talked about these quarterbacks is I feel like there's an inconsistency where people just say, well, throw out the Jordan Love tape. Throw it out from last year. Who cares? Right. Whatever. Right. He was. You didn't have poor coaching and no weapons and blah, blah, blah. And we just don't do the same for anyone else. Right. Look, I, I'm, I'll go to bat for Herbert. Herbert definitely has concerns, in my opinion. I think his anticipation is lacking at times. Um, I think that sometimes he, he doesn't – he's not as aggressive as he should be. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I will say – Obviously, I watch every Oregon snap. I know their offense. I know what they're what they're doing. Their OC is gone now. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm excited for they have a new OC. <laughs> their offense was not good for a quarterback. It's a right. run-based offense that only asked Justin to throw the ball when absolutely needed. Right. They also told him to not run. Imagine right. telling a quarterback, he ran a 4-6, the combine, to not run. Right. He didn't run for like 10 weeks. So to my idea is that you have him with – he has no pro wide receivers – his tight end got hurt in week six. Hey, don't run the ball. 
you know, yourself. We're going to run the ball on offense. We're only going to throw the ball when absolutely needed. We're going to have terrible route concepts. Right. I mean, like he was not going to succeed, in my opinion, in that offense. So I think Herbert goes somewhere with a coach who pushes them. I mean, in my opinion, he needs someone to push him, to be a strong-willed coach, to get in his face, to, to push him to be great. Look, Jordan Love, he might be great, but I feel like we're searching for like the next Pat Mahomes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A smaller school kid, obviously difference between group of five program in Utah State and power five and Pat Mahomes, but we're looking for the next Pat Mahomes when we should just watch the film. Yeah, Look, it's I, the I allure. The it's the allure yeah. of trying to make the the big home run pick and right. you know make it at six maybe if you're L.A., you know, where I think Herbert should go is I think if, if Herbert slides to 13 or whatever it would be with Indy, uh, oh, yeah. that'd be a dream come true for both parties. Yeah, Frank Reich will get him right. The ball's out quick in that system. Yep. He knows what he's doing. Look, the guys at Oregon go to bat for him. They love him. He's tough. The leadership stuff is such a weird angle to go by because no one in that program will tell you that he wasn't a leader. Right. But look, there are issues with anticipation. There are actual issues that we <laughs> ignore because we talk about his leadership and we're blowing up Jordan Love. And the one name, by the way, real quick, Jacob Eason at Washington yeah. in the first round. Yeah. Dude, that, that, that's wild to me. <laughs> I, it's this, this time of year, like, to see the names that pop up in certain situations. Yeah. Um, he wasn't good, good last year. Like, right. I, you watch he didn't win one important game. I do think there's something to the idea, whether it's fair or not fair. I know that in the NFL, quarterback wins is something that we kind of ignore and try to talk about. But look at Jordan Love. I understand that he had new coaching, new offense. But like in a, in a group of five school, if you're a top 10 pick, you should be like the best. You right? should be like able to overcome. Be, right. Like in my, in my opinion, you should. We see it on Division One level. Joe Burrow overcame SEC defenses. Yeah. Like, obviously, different situation and pro guys everywhere. But we see guys all the time overcome the players they have. And I just didn't see that from him this year. Now, 2018 was great. He played Lights really out. well. Yeah. But I feel like we're throwing away this tape and like, oh, it doesn't matter because all oh, there are things. We don't use the same excuses for, for, for Herbert. Well, I think it's selective. And I also think that it depends on the ego of the coach making the pick. You know, I can fix anybody. That's, that's an NFL coach's oh, creed. Such, so, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see who thinks that, and I'm not discounting love. I mean, I, I think yeah. he could turn out to be a nice quarterback, but uh, is it going to get harder to, to evaluate these quarterbacks because of quarterback mobility, you you've always had coaches, mo, you know, coaching mobility. You've had yeah. coaches changing uh, teams and and uh, organizations with frequency. Now you have players, you know, a bunch of these players at the top of the draft. You have Eason, who who's kind of got question marks because ah, well, the sample yeah. size. He was at Georgia. He was, and by the way, he was. I thought that was a sick joke that he was throwing right next to Fromm because in the deep ball drill, it was like Fromm's <laughs> yeah. noodle arm, and then Easton's cannon. Uh, you know, Fromm had to hate that draw. But I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at these these quarterbacks, and even Joe Burrow, who who your buddy Colin Cowherd uh, said that uh, you know he he's a, he's a great story, not a great prospect. Of course, when he interviewed Urban Meyer, he forgot <laughs> famously that Joe was at Ohio State. Eason, of course, Georgia to Washington. You've got yeah. a number of guys who have these either small sample size issues or they've been in different places. Jalen Hurts is one. You know, how do you yeah. evaluate him? Because you talk about his anticipation. And maybe his decision making, but he's been in two relatively complex schemes, uh, you know, in, in at Bama and Oklahoma. So, how do you judge these guys with the with more mobility going forward? 
Well, that's the, that's the goal of these teams, right? Because historically speaking, one of one year wonders haven't been good in the NFL. Right, guys okay. have had one great year in college. Now, there's been some like Cam, for example, but Cam was a junior college All American, right? Right. Like, he was great in that level. You know, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State wasn't great even even two years ago. It wasn't great in 2018. But Kyler Murray was kind of the first guy, right? Where he comes in one year Oklahoma. And he's really he's, he had a good year, I think, as, yeah. as, as a rookie in Arizona. So I think guys have to reevaluate how we look at these players. But look, Joe Burrow had a historic season in the SEC conference. Yes, it was an amazing season. And you look at Jacob Eason at Washington, not a great season. I and mean, it feels that that feels like an easy comp to be made. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is really interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's an okay thrower. I, I I don't know how great of a quarterback he'll be in the NFL. Uh, that to me has nothing to do with just him transferring. I just think that he's not as good. Yeah, as, you, I think you never great, know. But I might like him better. Oh, I might like him better than Eason. I I, I don't know. Eason, it's from has you're right. The noodle arm doesn't really have the arm. Um, but I think there is talking about mobility. I think nowadays, outside of Tom Brady and Drew Brees, your quarterback better be able to move in the pocket. Now, a not bit. run a little not bit. Run it. Just move. Be able to like move. Burrow, like Burrow. Like Burrow. Burrow can yes. run. But Burrow, when you see a quarterback that moves well in the pocket with his eyes downfield, but he's anticipating the movement around him without looking down, yeah. without, you know, like that's movement in the pocket. I mean, that's throwing on the run. That's good hips. I mean, this is something that's a necessity now. Yes. And you watch, and you make your point about Burrow. Burrow's always holding the ball up here, looking downfield. Yep. He's never looking, oh, oh where's the guy coming from? Where's he coming yep. from? He's looking up. He's ready to go. You know, that to me, like Phillip Rivers, I, I wouldn't sign him if I was someone. I just, he can't move. Yeah. So you look at all these guys now, all the, the trait they all have, <coughs> excuse me, they can move. They yeah. can all move. Yeah. Herbert can move. Easton can move. Tua can move. Burrow can move. Love can move. Yeah. You, you no longer have these statue X pocket, pocket passers. I mean, from kind of doesn't move right from will be the guy that kind of the old school pocket passer. You don't have that anymore. Every quarterback in the NFL has got to move to some degree outside of Tom Brady, who really does is good in the pocket. And breeze is also good in the pocket, but they, now, you know, they're not running the ball. Last pack 12 quarterback question here. The kid that, that that's gotten kind of lost in the shuffle who had a nice combine was the kid at Washington state, uh, you know, longtime baseball player, only yeah. a couple years of football on tape and and a bunch of throws in that air raid offense, but not a lot yeah. of not a big sample size. What do you see when you look at him? I mean, kind of the same as Gardner Minshew, right? A guy that uh, is tutored by Mike Leach, a guy that can come in, I think, early in his career and probably beat Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, you know, the Minshew mania was a little overblown. Overblown, last buddy. What he actually did. Um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, a kind of a reliable guy. Here's the thing about the draft. It's very important about quarterbacks. Very important. If you look at your franchise quarterback for your favorite team, outside of Brady, Wilson, Dak, and I guess you could include Nick Foles in this. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. They're all in the top two rounds. Yeah. Like you're not getting a seventh round pick to be your franchise guy. You're yeah. not. So if you're a fan of a team and you want a quarterback and you're thinking about that, draft them in the first two rounds. Yeah. Historically speaking, you're not finding a Gordon, a Minshew to come in later in the draft and be your franchise guy. No. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And I, and I am a big proponent of taking chances on quarterbacks until you hit on one. It's like you're looking at Washington. You know, tough shit. You just drafted one. What are you going to do? Wait another three years to get the outcome you know is going to happen, which is that Haskins probably isn't good enough. 
Arizona last year, I think, opened the floodgates on this. Yep. I think people have thought about it for a while. They wanted to do this for a while, but they're too afraid of the backlash. They're too afraid of their fan base. They're too afraid of whatever else. Look, quarterbacks nowadays aren't paid like they used to be. You know that. I mean, yeah, no, no, yeah. Look, the new CBA. Stafford yeah. was the last guy getting paid, what, he gets $70 million in his mm-hmm. draft, or Bradford did. Yeah, Sam, Sammy B. Right. Sammy Sleeves got that bag. Yeah. He got the last yeah. bag. Literally <laughs> the last, the last bag. Yeah. So like, you know, it's a, especially if the cap goes up now to 240 million in yeah. two years, like it's affordable now to just say, all right, Haskins, you'll sit for a year and we'll trade you somewhere. We'll get our guy that we want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be monitoring that as the years go by. But as you watch the, uh, the O-lineman at the combine, because a lot of this is, you know, we're yeah. just wowed with, with these numbers. I mean, Becton running a 40, it's incredibly <laughs> intimidating and scary as shit. Uh, but also I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of an O-lineman who can jump 11 feet in the broad. I don't know of what to make of an O-lineman in a three-cone drill, although I think maybe that's a little bit more indicative of agility on the field. What, what's, what's one measurable that you're like, throw that out, uh, and, and what's, and what's <laughs> yeah. one that you wish you could have, or one feature that you wish you could have? You know, for D-lineman, I talk about ankle yeah. flexion. Nobody's talking about ankle flexion as we watch these guys run a straight yeah. line. Uh, but ankle flexion makes a huge difference in oh, how yeah. a guy's going to get the corner and can enhance uh, that player's ability who can run fast in a straight line, but if he doesn't have ankle flexion, he's not going to hit the edge. So what's something like that for an offensive line? I think that for offensive line, broad jump is important. You want to look at everything that where you can measure hip explosiveness, right? right. All we do is we roll our hips to block that. Even in pass protection, you you – yeah, I've had a coach say this. It makes sense. You just give them the tip in pass protection, right? Just, just a little bit of hips in pass just pro. Just the tip. And so just the tip in pass pro. So broad jump, the 10-yard the, 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 the split on yeah. a 40, right? Explosion, yeah. how fast you get off the ball. The 40 itself doesn't matter. Even the drills that they do are pretty stupid and silly. Doesn't really matter. I want to see how hard a guy strikes a bag. I want to see really not even how hard, but how they do it, okay? You don't, it's not a boxer punch, right? You're not, you're not throwing your arm in there. It's a punch from your back, right? It's, yeah, how yeah, hard, yeah. it's a snap of the snap of the elbow, punch from your back. I want to see how guys punch the bag. You know, it just the combine is mostly silly for a lot of those drills. But the broad jump, the vertical a little bit. My vertical was 20.5. It's like the one of the worst. 20 and a half? <laughs> yeah. Not halfway to 30, 20. Point five. <laughs> That's fucking remarkable. You know what I want to know? I want you to redo that now. Uh, what twelve no, years the, later or the, eleven my, years later? I've had, I've had three ankle surgeries. I'm not, I can't even. <laughs> I don't think I can even jump over my, or under fifteen inches now. Um. Oh, geez. Under probably. I don't even know. <laughs> this is awesome. I fuck my, ju- jumping is the most dangerous thing for a retired football player to do. I, I even do. You could pop an Achilles at a you yeah. know like. I play basketball. I just don't jump. Yeah, no, just, like, just, like, just, not, okay. you're just on the ground. That's great. <laughs> not gonna do. Uh, my brother. It's really funny. My brother and I had terrible combines. Um, he had like the worst broad jump of all time. Like it was like like eight. It was oh, something God. like just terrible. It was like so <laughs> terrible. Um, and then obviously he's played eight years and yeah, four yeah. all pros. Yeah, and it's he's like, been that great. Doesn't matter. He's been great. It doesn't matter. Um, the vertical is important. I just again hip explosion. Yeah, hip explosion, right? Because yeah. uh, I just coughed my way through this <laughs> Get podcast. This guy hazmat. <laughs> he's like need to spray um, your room. The yeah, guys in the suits need to come no, in there. I promise I'm fine. Um, but um, 
Uh, yeah, that to me, it's all about hips. How do you measure how explosive a guy a guy can be at the combine? And a lot of that stuff, those drills can be done at pro day when you individualize the drills. You, yeah. There's drills you can do to see how guys explode on a bag. Yep. That to me is, I think, for offensive linemen, the most important thing is, is how do your hips work? Got it. So we're looking at the free agents before I let you go here. Uh, guys already in the league who are looking at yeah. possibly new destinations. We've got Joe, Joe Thune. We've got Costanzo in uh, Indy. We've got Sheriff or how the fuck do you say his name? I've been struggling with that for years. Sheriff. I think it's I think it's Sheriff. I've had sure. D line D line coaches call him Sharif. <laughs> it's not Sharif. Sheriff. <laughs> Sheriff. <laughs> Sheriff. Uh, we've got Conklin uh, who's up. Balaga. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Jason Peters in Philly, who's thirty eight years old. <laughs> Beecham in New York. Whitworth. Who's a guy out of that group that that you think is gonna is gonna be on the move on the move? Oh well, Joe Thune's gonna make a lot of money. Yeah, isn't that first guy to ever start his career with three straight Super Bowl starts? Is that him or, or Andrews? I don't know, but two. he's you know four years. He's played ninety nine percent of the snaps. He was yeah. real good last year. Sixteen pressures allowed. Uh, I, are you tentative when you look at him because you're like okay. How much of that was New England and Scar? No. You're not? Because Trent Brown played well last year. I think if you're good, you're good, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that he'll be able to go somewhere, and he's going to make you know, that <coughs> Trent was good to- in San Francisco, though. I remember trying to set the edge on him and me and Ninkovich. We're like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck is this? I mean, like, how do you expect us to set the edge on this guy? Like, you, you've you been around me. I saw Trent Brown like two weeks ago. Dude, he, did, he looks... There's a photo I'll send you of him and Makai Becton, right? It's not even close. Trent Brown is the giantest human I've ever seen. Be able Way to bigger move. than Makai. He's he's bigger than Makai. Oh yeah. Jesus. He, he's even he's like Brian McKinney. He's like he's like Brian yeah, McKinney yeah. size. Like, yeah. He's giant, so freaking big is is Trent Brown. It's incredible. Yeah. Um. No, I don't think I don't think you should worry about that. I think he's a solid player. He'll get paid a lot of money. Um. You know the. You know, Balaga, Conklin, I think Balaga's a little older, so he probably won't get as much. I think he's yeah. probably a better player than Conklin. Conklin will get a lot of money from someone. <laughs> yeah, Conklin's, Conklin's been a hot name as you struggle through your possible CO, COVID-19 uh, in, infection here. Uh, Conklin, Conklin is, uh, you know, he's younger. He's 26. Balaga's 31. Balaga has been a long time really, really good player at right tackle. And again, you know, the misnomer that all right tackles are stiff and all that stuff. He's a good tackle. And, it, you know, I, I think being 31 won't help. But Conklin, I worry about his anchor a little bit. Do you ever do you ever worry about that when you watch him on tape? Yeah, I mean, he plays a little bit high, and it's something that he's had to deal with in his career as far as being able to anchor. He's had a bunch of injuries, too, which don't really help yep. you know, help him do that. Early in his career, he got a lot of help, and he'll admit that. He admitted it. A ton of he help, knows yeah, it. yeah. And, and it, it kind of made him, you know, you know, got that all-pro his rookie year, and ever since then, it's just been a little tougher for him. The injuries have caught up with him, and so I'm really interested to see how teams view him. But again, I think that you run into a situation where teams just get desperate, right? They say, look, we, we have a hole to fill. We have money to spend. We'll just give it to Conklin, right? Because obviously, yeah. if you're not if you're not in the top thirteen of the draft, you're probably not getting a starting right tackle in in round one. Now, there's a couple guys, the Jones kid from Houston, that might be able to sneak up at the back end of the first round, top of the second round, that can start right away. So I see a lot of teams just saying, look, we'll give Conklin the fifteen. The, <coughs> the cap is going up in two years. It won't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so you think uh, Thune for sure is on the move. You think Conklin oh, might yeah, be on I think, the move. I, I think the Patriots, I think, look, I think Tom comes back. It's a different discussion for another time. But I just don't think they can afford him. I think it's, it's too expensive. So give I me mean, a place that would be a perfect marriage for Thune and give me a place that would be a per- oh, perfect marriage for Ooh. Conklin. Man, you put me on the spot here. I haven't even looked at the depth yeah. charts yet. I'm so I'm like so into college right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think anywhere that you're running a zone offense, in my opinion, would be a really good fit for Thune, right? Really, a guy yeah, that's yeah. size. He can move really well, very reliable. Um, you know, to me, Conklin needs to be in more of a run-based offense. I wouldn't, right. which is almost like a Seattle. I think right. Seattle would be, if you let a Fetty go and you get Conklin, that feels like a good spot for him. I'm trying to think about the Ooh, guards that's, right That's now. a dangerous amount of investment into the offensive line in Seattle. I mean, I, it's unprecedented. I mean, that they would now have, you know, I mean, they, they, they is Dwayne up this year? Um, I don't know. But if you had Dwayne uh, Brown and uh, and Conklin, I mean, that's you. You basically paid two two tackles. That's I mean, that's out of yeah, the question I, in I Seattle. Mean, the P- Peters and Lane Johnson, they make it work. No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, it, it does work. And by the way, do you think uh, do you think JP plays a couple more years? I know he wants to. About, yeah, of course he does. I mean, I. Dude, you made the money, man. You have your ring. Like you're going to the Hall of Fame. Just I've never met anybody who likes football more than Jason Peters. Jason Peters is going to be a terrific football coach when he when he hangs it up. And you know what I like about him, uh, Jeff, is he takes care of the younger guys. I mean, he takes them under under his wing. I mean, a lot of Hall of Famers, great players, they can't kick the ego thing where you know uh, it's it's weakness or you know you're helping the the competition. He will coach a guy that they drafted to take his position because he's that secure in who he is, but also he just <laughs> loves football and he loves, you know, coaching folks up. And they keep drafting guys to replace them. <laughs> yeah, you can't get rid work. of him. Can't like, get rid of him. Like, I mean, late, late, technically Lane was supposed to be his replacement, yes, right? Yes. And, and they draft. And then they, they became they best Andre friends. Dillard. Yeah. They draft Andre Dillard. Yep. Lane Johnson is, is one of my favorite humans. He's, he's terrific. He's terrific. He's, it's amazing. And, uh, and and he doesn't. He's not showing any signs of slowing down. I think he, no. him, and, him and your brother are uh, are doing a great job of dispelling the 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 bad rumor that right tackles are inferior to left tackles. So it's silly. There's so many pass rushers over the right tackle now. It's crazy. Well, it's... Jeff, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Uh, I, I, I got to have you on another time. An O line, an O line guru here. And now I'm, nice. I'm happy to call Jeff Schwartz a friend of the program. Uh, check him out on Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. I can almost 100% assure you that that's true. Uh, and uh, and hopefully we have you back on another time. Get over that cough, yeah. man. You don't want to be out in public doing that shit. No, I, I don't want that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, buddy. Talk to you soon. So that was uh, Jeff Schwartz. Uh, really insightful. A lot of good stuff on, on O-line play. And um, I can assure you he watched a lot of tape. Uh, but interesting, some of the stuff he said, he mentioned uh, the kid from USC as maybe being a uh, a stay away. If you have to pick an O-lineman at the top of the draft, who are, who are you Who are you snagging? Uh, well, that's an easy question for me to answer. Uh, huh? And to answer it, all I would have to do is sign out of uh, an account and sign into a buddy so that I would have access to a mock draft that I trust. <laughs> And um, then I would scroll for a little while and find a cool name and a cool school. The answer is Mackay Becton. Oh, Mackay Becton. Actually, I'm uh, I uh, nah nah because he is a Virginia product 
who chose Louisville over Virginia. Yeah. So I, I I'm afraid I cannot. You're pick out on that, Mackay Becton. Well, let's let's since you have so much insight on on combine O linemen, let's get to uh, the bracket punishments. We're gonna do a, a bracket. This is the best time of the year. This is the most fun time of the year in sports, in my opinion. Um, and it's coming up soon. So I asked fans what we should uh, punish the loser, the last place dude in our bracket. Uh, with obviously famously uh, Matt Conrath died tips fantasy football he still got the died tips they're still <laughs> they're still on there um, here's what we got okay fans had some good ones did you make any up nope fuck man um, I don't like being mean yeah and I also have a weird relationship with the uh, with the bracket it's my most favorite thing in the world even when the Who's aren't running the world in yeah. NCAA basketball. Last year, I don't always pick the Who's to go far either. That's I'm, a tough one. I'm realistic about it. I'm reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But last year I did quite well because I thought the Who's had the stuff, and they did. And they did have the stuff. Um, but uh, I don't historically I don't do great, so I'm worried about this. Yeah, you and, could uh, be the, the one. Mm-hmm. Dave Doc says, leave a block of cheese out on the counter at the start of March Madness, and at the end, the loser has to eat the old cheese. Boom. That just popped into the noggin there. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. I think that's a health concern. Is it? Yeah. Cheese gets to be cheese by getting rotten. You're not wrong. So it's just che- it just end up cheesier. Cheese. Cheese. Okay, next. Um... Mike Dawson says, enroll in a dance class. That's good. Can't dance. I would be terrified. Terrified. Yeah, it's more about the social anxiety than the actual having to dance. I can't dance because I don't know what to do with my face. Your face. I'm, I'm, if, if I, if I was wearing like a mask, I could definitely dance. If I was on mask singer, I could cut a rug. Never been able to dance. So you don't know what you don't know what you're doing with your face. Like, what facial expression do you make? You 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 bite your you bite your bottom lip to dance. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. But it's it's all about the facial expression. I'm telling you, if you get the facial expression down, you can dance. Tell the people, can I dance or can I not? Yeah, he can dance. He does one move. It's called the shovel. That's right. Thank you. How's that go? Um, it's like three scoops oh, over the shoulder. Oh, it's a move. Okay. And it's mine. Okay. Kelly, labrum. Kelly Wood Cobra says, spend Saturday working on those jobs where you stand in front of a business twirling the sign around trying to get people to come in. I fucking love it. Yes. Yeah. Love this. Can anybody just roll up and get one of those jobs though? I mean, they're not posted. I don't know. I mean, but we could get like a day job. I went through some of the... Um, you probably approach a business and be like, hey, I went through some can of the I listings. Stand with an arrow? The, I went through the listings for these jobs. Oh, you um, did? Yeah. You done People are making upwards of uh, $20 doing this an hour. Um, probably deserve more. Yeah, I think so. Town Puppies in Temecula is asking to, quote, carry the sign with excitement. Well, Town Puppies, you're paying eleven fifty an hour. Mm. and I've seen other listings right below yours for $20 an hour. So how do you expect your employee to carry the sign with excitement? Mattress Wholesale in Columbus, 
quote, must be able to stand for eight hours and spin a sign. <laughs> Close quote. <laughs> it makes sense. Fairly straightforward. Aero sign spinners in Los Angeles, quote, perfect job for athletes, aspiring entertainers, comedians, actors, models, musicians. I, I'm wondering, are there any famous former sign spinners out there? There was a... Uh... A tax prep place on West Main Street. Yeah, that dude, guy's dude good. was elite. Yes, he wore a Statue of Liberty yes. thing or an Uncle Sam. Correct. Thing. Yes, that's what I have in my head. I was thinking too. about him today. Yeah. I was thinking driving in, like, where the fuck is that guy? Right. As soon as I saw this, I was thinking about that guy, and I think sign spinners don't get enough love. I also think that if it paid slightly more, it'd be a pretty good gig. Easy exercise. You work outside. No one thinks of it as hazardous, but it's kind of hazardous. Mm. Which, by the way, you know, we get fined for hitting workers, get jail time, that whole thing. You should go to fucking jail if you hit one of the sign spinners. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Just as long as, why are they any better or worse than somebody who works for VDOT? I'm with you. Uh, sign spinners. Dangerous job, thankless job, almost a really good job. Five, seven more dollars an hour, I'm down. Um, but again, if I was a costume sign spinner, we talked about costumes, masks, I could do it excellently. You know, nobody has to see my face. So you could it's be the, a mascot. You yeah. You could be ma- Cavman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Last one, car drop, Fort Myers, Florida. Quote, must be willing to learn the skills slash moves slash tricks of a sign spinner. What, Co- coachable. What does that entail? You got to be coachable. Yeah, I guess so. Somebody suggested we do the Waffle House Challenge. Big fan of that. What is that? Yeah, 24 hours in a Waffle House you must spend. You can take an hour off for every waffle you eat. And you think, oh, okay, I'm in there two hours. I eat 22 waffles. Nah, it's, it's, while that math works out, it's not that easy. And you can find accounts online of people hitting waffle six and completely shutting down. Shutting down. down. Like napping, like having to order eggs and sausage just to get the the waffle and syrup out of there. But there's no prerequisite for how many you have to eat, right? No, you can eat zero and stay in there for 24 hours. Then you're just 24 hours in a waffle house. Yeah. They probably have Wi-Fi in there. It's not the traditional coffee shop, but I think that maybe some young professionals or I'd like to think in waffle house getting some work done, working from home. Yeah, maybe start at like a 10 p.m., get a little work done, then you get to see the, the drunk folk come in yeah. right about midnight. They serve, uh, they don't serve any alcohol in Waffle House. I don't think so. Uh, I could get a buzz somehow in that motherfucker. I'm sure you could. Um, I could do that easy. I only fear constipation. <laughs> well, yeah. That, that, then that's, that could happen as well, eating a bunch of waffles. You could probably bring some fiber. Can I put the fixins on the waffles or just like. Yeah, anything you like. So, what would make this an even tougher challenge if you had to eat them dry? If you had to eat them dry. Yeah, I guess. Mm. We're taping on March 3rd. I need to say happy birthday to my brother, Hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Hunt. He's not four, he's less than 60. And that makes his birthday relatively less important than Waylon's because there's just been so many of them. I think he'd agree. He also co- committed funds to Shout the out to Hunt. Friends of Greenlight Pod well. Shout out to Hunt. Whether domestic or overseas. He so is the only. The only so far. Um, 
Scott Harris says take a blow up doll on a proper date. <laughs> Just like good. feeding it spaghetti. That's good. <laughs> Just like dangling the spaghetti. Is that a proper date? I've never fed a date before. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I picture it in a movie. Like candlelit. Yeah. You're in a public restaurant. Yeah. 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 Out in public. Yeah. But you got to feed it. Like you can't act like it's... Well, I mean, I just think you, you have sit to, there. You have to play it up. You have to pretend this this is a real person. Well, yeah, you got to make the order. Mm-hmm. But then I think they just sit she'll there be, not, not eating and then say, is everything all right with your meal? And keep on the conversation. <laughs> I think that might be brutal. Um, get a portrait of the winner. That was that. Uh, it's not all about tattoos. Uh, oh, I really like this one. Tin Can Dan says, take the ACT or SAT, pay the $100, uh, go to a local high school on a Saturday morning, driven by the second worst participant. Fuck that. I could win the thing. I want to drive this motherfucker to the SATs and take it in a room full of high schoolers. I didn't know there were any other rooms that you could take it in. Uh, If the loser gets anything less than a 22, they have to take it again until 22 is achieved. I don't know what that means because we took the SAT. Right. Back when it was 1600, and I think it's now back again to 1600. 1090 right here. Oh, nice. Not the best, but not the worst. Yeah. What were you, like 14? Yeah. Fuck. Sorry. Some people don't I, have access to all the tutors I, and the practicing. I, uh, you did, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, went to, I went to play school. What can I say? D. Kelly said, get blocked by Makai Becton. I'd actually love this. Can you imagine? This is the scary part. Makai Becton would risk just rolling his ankle, stomping on bad back backy's chest <laughs> after he pancakes him. Uh, and to to round this one out, um, ooh, Bell says wear nothing but a diaper on one of your shows. I absolutely love this. Can you imagine? Be great. I know you're thinking about you in a diaper, but you can't think like a loser. Think about I was that was very good. That was you're thinking about a little. You're you. thinking about the I risk. I need to change my this mindset. Is, and this is how we would be as gamblers. You I would should never be envisioning you. In I'm a thinking about a win. I'm I'm like a winner here in my mind. Yeah, Wookie, Coach Wookie in a diaper. diaper. Yeah, right here. It's worth it. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, Justin, if the local supermarket has ads on the shopping carts, have the loser buy an ad, take an Olin Mills type photo. That's the like uh, the old creepy family photos that people now do satirically, um, like the 80s. Yeah. Uh, take an Olin Mills type photo of the winner's choosing and have it plastered on all the shopping carts. <laughs> That's terrific. That's good. So we've got some finalists there. Uh, we'll work through those. And uh, we'll be back with you next week one week closer to the tournament and maybe by then we can decide on what the punishment is going to be good deal okay uh y'all take care take care of yourselves